Welcome to the High Speed Podcast, the official podcast of the High Speed Alliance, taking you further, faster, together. We are setting our course for freedom and legacy through mastery of business, finance, family, and lifestyle. Welcome to the High Speed Podcast. My name is Dr. Forrest Bryant, and we're glad to have on the call today, Daryl Audis. How are you doing today, Daryl? Very good, Forrest. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, man, I'm, uh, I'm excited about uh, this topic today. We got a lot of good stuff, and I'm sure a lot of our real estate investors are going to tr- find tremendous value in, in, in this share today. Uh, we're always looking to help our, our listeners and our, our members and our clients um, get freedom and legacy in their life, and we do that by helping them with their business, their finances, their family, and their lifestyle. Uh, passive income is a, is a big keyword for us. And uh, as Daryl and I were talking earlier, uh, usually in order to generate passive income, somebody's got to be active on the other side of that. And uh, Daryl is one of those guys that, that allows us to, uh, to generate passive income because he's, he's working a business on the other side that allows us to invest uh, and, and allow him to run his business that, uh, that, that can generate some of those uh, passive income return. So, uh, Daryl, uh, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit, uh, about yourself and, um, you know, what, what, what you're doing and, um, just, uh, I'll turn it over to you here. All right. Well, thanks for having me on today. Great to be here. And, uh, for those of you out there, my name is Daryl Audis and I own and operate Caps Property Management. We're a real estate brokerage company focused mainly on, uh, helping investors. And we, we focus on property management and property rehab, construction, and, um, and then also turnkey sales. We um, purchase rehab and then rent and then, uh, and then sell turnkey properties for investors around the country that want to earn passive income. Um, I've been married 17 years to my beautiful wife, Molly, and uh, we're coming up on our 18th anniversary and uh, we have three boys, Andrew, Luke, and Mark, and they are 15 and 12 and 9, and uh, just have a lot of fun being a, being a husband, being a dad, and uh, being a self-employed business owner, and uh, trying to, to build my business into where I can have some more freedom in life myself. Yeah, well, great. Well, uh, I, can, uh, I can testify you're, you're a man of... Uh, of- Tremendous integrity and uh, honor, and uh, I've I've enjoyed getting to know you uh, over the years. And um, uh, Daryl, uh, I like to kind of get on the on, on the record here. Uh, uh, we have a business relationship, and he manages some of my properties and uh, does an e- excellent, incredible job. And uh, I appreciate that. And um, uh, I'm I'm just uh, I'm excited to have you on the, on the call today. So let's. Um, Let's just kind of start with a little overview here. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of people, uh, you know, and, and on this, on, you know, the first side is the is is our public side of our uh, of our, of our podcast, and um, so it, we've got some people on here that that maybe haven't managed properties before, or they're new real estate investors. So, you know, a lot of times when people get into this, they think, "Oh, I'm going to go." buy a house and I, and I'm going to, I'm going to put a renter in it and they, they, they try to do it on their own. So let's, let's just kind of talk a little bit on just on a high level. Like, you know, what does that look like? Uh, I mean, what does it, what does that mean to, to manage a property? What, I mean, let's talk on just on, let's go real high first. Okay. Well, as far as property management, um, it's not, it's not 
it's not brain science, you know, I mean, it's not, uh, it's not uh, uh, like uh, brain surgery, you know, it's not rocket science. Uh, but what it is, it's a lot of hard work. And it's needing to know what to do and when to do it. And as you get into property management and you have that first rental property and all of a sudden you're, you're placing tenants in it, there's going to be a lot of things that come up. And um, I, I don't know if you're very familiar with human beings, but <laughs> they're, they're, they can be pretty difficult to deal with. And I, I wouldn't recommend you know, dealing with them on your own there, they can be pretty difficult. So uh, uh, if I could interrupt you for a second, uh, what that, that's one of the, and, and maybe I shouldn't say this on the public line here, this pe- people get around, but some people might enjoy dental humor, but uh, that that's one of the, the, the dental jokes that uh, dentistry would be a whole lot easier if the teeth weren't attached to people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If you could, uh, you know, with property management, if all you had to do was, Fix up that property to a nice standard, and then just made sure it kept dusted and clean. You'd be you'd be in good shape, but you got to put a human being in it, and and they bring a lot of baggage with them, and and really it, it's just a matter of learning how to learning how to deal with people, and um, you know when you're renting a property to somebody, a lot of times you're renting a property to somebody who can't purchase a home, hmm. and why is it that they can't purchase a home, right? Um, it's not like, you know, a lot of these people have 800 credit scores and they're making $150,000 a year and, oh, they just want to rent your home because they like you. Uh, it's, it's very much opposite than that. And they come with their own challenges. And sometimes you have to uh, be willing to, uh, to teach them uh, somewhat be kind of like a parent or a guide or, uh, or a taskmaster, an overseer that says, well, this is just how it has to be. And this is when you have to do this. And this is how you have to do this. And this is what's going to happen when you don't do this. So let's make sure this happens. And a lot of people are are just not able to be confrontational like that. They're really just too nice Mm -hmm. uh, and and don't want to deal with with people, you know, straight on. Um, So I think that's where it's wise to get somebody, you know, on your team that's with you that, that, that really doesn't mind having those one-on-one heart-to-heart conversations with people and, 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 and can sleep well at night after they've had those conversations and laid down the law and told somebody how it's going to be and, and know full well that they're probably going to have to put those people out tomorrow. And it's, you know, it's not a big heartbreak. It's just life. It's the way it is and make some of those difficult decisions for you. Yeah, I see. Uh, it's interesting. Um, I see you as an educator. You've got to educate a lot of people and set expectations. You've got not only, as you were mentioning, talking to uh, these tenants, you have you have to train them and you have to you, know, you have to take them through the paperwork and you got to, you know, you got to do your, your vetting on them and your due diligence to make sure that you're putting the right people in there. And you got to you got to train them how to how to how to how to pay and how to stay and uh, you know how to how to be a good tenant. And you also got to educate your team on all of these things that you talked talked about. You also got to educate your investors as well, because uh, especially new real estate investors, they may not. Uh, even though you're doing all the heavy work, there's still some expectations that have to be set there. You know the way that things roll. So you've got uh, you've got a lot of roles that you have to have to master in order to you know put put all those puzzle pieces together. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you know when it comes to uh, when it comes to rental properties and and owning them and managing them, 
you know, we find that we spend about 80% of our time dealing with 20% of the people. And uh, you get into it and you'll find that, you know, about 80% of the time things work out pretty good and that sort of thing, but there's that 20% problems. And, uh, you know, I heard a, a country music song recently sung by Luke Bryan and it says, most people are good, right? And uh, it's easy to get skewed as you're dealing with rental properties and tenants and difficult situations and, and you kind of get down on people. Um, you think, boy, everybody is just, you know, trying to take me to the cleaners and nobody takes care of my property. And, you know, that's generally not the case. You, you, you do good with about 80% of them. And then you got to really focus on that 20% and, uh, and, and, and turning that 20% into a 5%, you know, and that's where we focus most of our time. And, uh, if we can, if we can limit the damage to here's 20%, we got a problem that encompasses 20% of our portfolio. Well, let's get that narrowed down and let's resolve these issues. And then now we got these five that, you know what, we got to get rid of them and, and recycle this property here. And that's really just kind of the name of the game. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 that's great stuff. That's the Pareto principle and working into quintiles and, uh, and, and you're right, 20% of the problem, we're going to cause 80% of the problem. So uh, yes, figuring yes. out who those are and, getting those replaced, probably going to make everybody, everybody much happier. So, um, you know, let's just talk about, you know, what, what are some questions that, um, you know, if somebody's new to real estate or maybe they don't have a real big portfolio and maybe they're evaluating different property managers, um, you know, what are some good, good, you know, frequently asked questions that, that, that they can or should ask? Sure. Well, you need to understand your market that you're investing in, of course. And you need to know where your property that's thinking about investing in does fit into that market. So, um, you know, I think it's wise to invest in an area where the economy is flourishing, where it's doing good, where there's plenty of work for people. Um, you know, in, uh, in, in, the, uh, in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, uh, you have Harry Potter who's criticizing everybody that, you know, rents from him or buys these houses and that sort of thing. And, and then, and then you have the guy that stands up and says, well, it's those people that do most of the living and the breathing and the working and the dying here, you know. Um, and that, that's really, you know, middle-class America. That's who we want to uh, work with. And, um, and uh, you know, so we want to, I think it's wise to invest in an area where, where, where you are working with that middle-class America. Uh, there's so many of them, right? There's so many of us. <laughs> And uh, so there's, there's going to be good deal flow there. There's going to be uh, steady rental income there. Um, I think it's wise to invest where there's good school systems. Um, in, in an area where you have good school systems and, and good jobs and, and plenty of work for people and, um, and good residential neighborhoods where there's low crime, um, then you're, you're, you're going to most likely get people that can stay longer. Um, you know, there's, there's no higher cost for a property owner uh, than vacancies and maintenance on the property. And, and the best way to maintain a property as a rental property is to keep a good person in it that's taking good care of the unit. And uh, it, just, it, it just goes a lot smoother that way. So you want to set yourself up for success rather than failure. There's a lot of good deals out there where, where you can pick up a property for $50,000, $65,000, you know, but you take a look at the area 
And, you know, am I investing in an area where the school systems are poor, where there's high turnover, people typically stay about eight months out of the year, and uh, you're going to spend a lot of money getting that unit ready again, and they're not going to maintain that unit very well. Whereas, you know, you may be looking at it and say, well, it looks like I've got really good cash flow here, really good ROI. In the long run, it may not pencil out that way. And if you're in a better neighborhood, you might have to pay a little bit more for it, but you can make it up with steady returns. Uh, steady, boring returns, you know, are, are sometimes the best ones to have when it comes to passive income. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, uh, uh, the, uh, our, our event that we just just had, we we, we talked about this a good bit, and uh, the the importance of the market, and uh, uh, you know part of, part of that focus was that the market's more important than the deal, and so and I, and a lot of times investors, new new real estate investors, um, a lot of times they miss that because you can take uh, a, a you know a not great house that's real cheap, and and uh, you can make it look really really good on paper. And you can make that returns look really, really high, right. uh, but you might be in an area or might be in a war zone or in a, in a decreasing uh, market. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, for just single family homes, you know, we're not necessarily chasing a lot of appreciation. But uh, if you can get appreciation, if you can get in a market where you've got appreciation along with your cash flow, then you're going to be much further ahead of the game. So uh, that, 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 that's a great point. I love, I love the quote um, that from, from Warren Buffett that talks about uh, when, when the tide goes out, when the tide goes out, you see who's swimming without their trunks on. So, you know, uh, uh, you know, the, the market's really important and you want to make sure that the, uh, that, that you're in good markets. And that, like you said, you, you've got, you've got good growth, you've got appreciation, you got, um, uh, good rents and, and you're going to have good, good tenants and that, that, that all those things are going to, um, um, with good property management are going to going to lead to a, a very nice investment. Right. So let's talk about, um, you know, you don't have to talk specific fees, but everybody always, you know, I know that's a question, you know, what, so what, what is the range of fees that you see, you know, between, uh, you know, it, when, when people say, oh, well, we, we charge this or we charge that. I mean, just, you know, what is that range and, you know, what, what, what should investors kind of be looking for? Sure, you bet. Well, pretty much understand, industry standard right now for property management fees is 10%, meaning that of all the rent that's collected, they're going to be keeping 10% of that for themselves. Uh, my rates are a little bit lower than that. I, I've, I just have a, a standard 8% rate that I charge. But Eight to ten percent is is right where you're going to be at for a property management fee, and then there's always tenant placement fee when they um, when they acquire, screen, place a new tenant in the property. And industry standard is the first month's rent. Um, that's generally what your property managers are charging for that. But boy, that's a lot uh, when you think about it. And you know, immediately if they're signing a twelve month lease. And right away, you're giving away one month of income on that. That's, that's kind of tough to, to deal with, kind of tough to swallow. Um, hopefully, that person is going to stay longer than 12 months, but a lot of times they don't. Um, so you really should talk to your property manager about that and see if you can get that fee down a little bit. Um, I have mine static at, at $500 tenant placement fee. And then, um, and then, manage, and, and then maintenance, you know, Maintenance costs can really add up. 
And if your property manager is just going to be, you know, picking up the yellow pages and dialing one of the first few guys they see to go out there and replace your water heater, things are going to get pretty expensive pretty quick. So you really want to, you want to really want to zero in and dial in on, you know, can he provide low cost maintenance? That's, that's quality maintenance. Um, because like I say, you know, your two biggest um, income eaters <laughs> are going to be maintenance and vacancies. Yeah. And you want to know, uh, you know, can this property manager do low cost maintenance, but yet it be quality maintenance and, and what's his team in place for that. So as you're analyzing property managers, really get into their fee structure. Um, I see a lot of property management companies that, you know, maybe they're better business people than me, you know, maybe they probably make more money at their business, right? But um, it's going to be pretty hard for you to make money if if the property manager is just nailing you with all of these fees. Uh, so look for somebody who has a, a good system in place, but a simple fee structure as well, where you can keep costs low. Yeah. So digging in a little bit deeper on that point. So um, comment on, you know, property managers that have uh, in-house management or in-house maintenance, I'm sorry. Um, versus somebody that outsources it. And then also maybe um, if you could hit on like, uh, do you recommend property owners have an annual inspection um, and then just other ways maybe to keep maintenance costs down. Right. That was, that was three questions there, but <laughs> did you get it? <laughs> well, I think in-house maintenance is important. Um, for one thing, that means that he has more people in his operation. You know, your property manager has more people in his operation where he can quickly get to your property if he has a few more people that are working with him. So if he does have a maintenance staff of one or two or three guys, you know, uh, that does mean that he has more boots on the ground. And they can quickly get to your property, secure it, see what's going on there. Um, and then if, if they can do some of that maintenance themselves, obviously that's going to save you money in the long run as well. But then, you know, ask about his network of contractors that he works with and what sort of cost savings does he get from them? You know, if you're managing a few hundred properties or whatever, and you're supplying contractors with a lot of work, uh, you can, you can get discounts on the maintenance and, um, you know, and, and plus you want to know who's going in your property. So if he has, uh, you know, generally a property manager will have a network of, you know, five or six outside contractors that he works with as well, you know, HVAC, electrical, plumbing, that sort of thing. But he knows them and they know his tenants and they know his houses and they know how to respond to them and talk to them. You know, you, you want to make sure he has good relationships with his contractors as well. Um, And mine's uh, out of blank now. What other, what other questions? Uh, in, annual inspections should, annual should, uh, inspections, yes. You know, that, that's really important, uh, to be able to see what your property's doing. Even if, even if you've got a tenant that's long-term there, that's in their 18 months, 24 months, it's still good to have at least a yearly inspection to where, um, you're getting somebody inside the property, taking pictures, exterior, interior, seeing how they're maintaining the property, looking for little issues that are creeping up. You know, uh, something as simple as the gutters being clogged up with leaves, 
can lead to some big problems. If that water isn't discharging far enough away from the house, now you've got all that water sitting right by your house. If you have a basement in the wintertime, you're gonna have expansion and contraction of soil. If there's a bunch of water there that shouldn't be there, that's gonna cause problems to your basement, can lead to very, very big issues. So getting that annual inspection is, is vitally important, yes. And then, and then acting on it, um, going ahead and taking care of a few small maintenance issues that the tenant brings up while he's there. If you see uh, a carpet that's you know six, seven, eight years old, it's pretty wore out, and they're good tenants, taking the time to you know go ahead and take care of it at that point, and maintaining that good relationship with the tenant. Some of your best tenants, they communicate almost none at all, and they take care of things by themselves. Those are the ones that you want to keep. So if you get in there and you see a few issues, you say, well, let us get in there and take care of that. And then the flip side of it is, is, is the problem tenants and the people that are tearing up the place. And you want to know about that sooner rather than later. Now I find most of the time, if, if, if somebody's not taking good care of the property, they're not taking good care of paying their rent on time either. And they're getting a, a city code violation, something like that. Something's, showing up on the radar to alarm you that there's an issue here. And that's where you need to step in and don't wait for the annual inspection, you know, get boots on the ground and go check that thing out yourself. And I'm talking about the property manager, getting there, checking it out and, uh, and, and addressing those issues head on, you know, what is going on here um, to, to, to mitigate the, the damage, to limit the damage, keep short accounts. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. Um, great, great information, Daryl. Uh, you mentioned those really good tenants and maybe if we can, let's segue a little bit without getting too far off topic, but just, um, like that, that, uh, that lease option or uh, there's a lot of different ways that you can, without getting too deep, uh, you know, like kind of like the, the rent to own or the lease option. Um, you know, just talk about the difference in the, the, that type of tenant who, you know, how they, uh, you know, how they're better, better tenants and take better care of the property, if you will, just kind of um, a lot of new real estate investors don't really understand the difference in those two types of tenants. I think that'd be important to touch on. Sure. Well, we have, we have basically two different models here for uh, the homes that we rent out. And the one model is just a straight rental tenant that most of the time is going to sign a 12 month lease. And if we can get them to sign a longer lease, we definitely will. We want as long a term lease as possible. But in that model, you're, you're getting a security deposit and the first month's rent for them to move in. Generally, the security deposit is equal to one month's rent. And as a property manager, I hold that security deposit because it's refundable to the tenant. If they take good care of the property, they get most of their security deposit back. The other model that we've implemented is that of what we call a rent to own or a lease option. And with that model, we're looking for people who have an ownership mentality. And that's really the biggest thing is that ownership mentality where they want to own a home themselves. And we're giving them the ability to live in the home now that they're going to be able to purchase a couple years from now. So we call it the lease option. We're going to rent the home to them. We're going to sign a minimum of a 36 month lease at the normal rental rate, but we're going to require from them at least a $3,000 option deposit. And that gives them the option to purchase the home sometime in the next 36 months. Now, that option deposit is non-refundable to the tenant. At any time, if they 
don't exercise the option, they're not getting it back. And if they do exercise the option, it's going to be applied towards closing costs anyway, so they're not getting it back then. So the great thing about that up front is the option deposit, $3,000, $4,000, whatever it is, we give that to the owner. And the owner can have that money. It's his money. He holds it. We recommend that they put it in an escrow account and use that for the next tenant turn when the guy doesn't perform on the option and it's ready to get it ready for the next tenant. So he can make his mortgage payment and pay for the tenant make ready at that time. And it's not out of, out of pocket expenses. And then we're locking people into a 36 month lease. We found that, you know, only about 2% of these people are following through and actually purchasing the home. Right. So that means that 98% of the homes, you're still going to own it as a rental property. And that's what you're after long-term rental income. You're not really, wanting to get in a position where you're selling these homes and, and having to find a new deal. Now, if that happens, great. If you're one of that 2%, congratulations. You, you made some equity there and uh, some capital gains and you can roll it in the next one. But most of them don't. But the great part is, is that most of them uh, end up being longer term tenants. Even if they don't complete that 36 months, most of them are going 18 to 24 months. And the other thing we find is this, is that of all of our properties that we manage, we manage about 300 properties, um, about one third of our evictions that we have to file are filed on rent to own tenants. And two thirds of the evictions that we have to file are filed on straight rental tenants. So you're about one third better being in that rent to own category where you have the ownership minded people, people that are planning to stay long-term and people that have more skin in the game, they had to put a larger deposit down first. Then of those one third that we have to file, you know, of all the evictions that we file, if we file, uh, you know, nine evictions in a month, only about three of them are gonna be rent to own. Then we find that uh, only about 20% of the evictions that we file on rent to own tenants, we actually have to consummate because they'll come in and they'll get paid up in full and get back on track. So altogether, it's, it's been a better model for us. It's been a better model for the investor getting that, that long-term tenant. Now, the homes that work good for this program though, are homes that are in your better neighborhoods. It's neighborhoods where, you know, people want to get their kids in a good school system, but they can't buy right now. Well, we offer them a nicely remodeled home in good condition, not retail flip condition, but just clean and functional and a good home in a good area that they're going to be comfortable living in for the next five years. And it's in a good school system and close to good work, you know, good jobs, employment, and that sort of thing. And we try to, you know, we try to settle up for success that way. Those are the homes that, that, that we can normally get rent to own tenants in. When you get into your other neighborhoods where maybe they're C or C minus neighborhoods, they really don't work too well for, for rent to own because people aren't thinking I'm going to stay there that long. Mm -hmm. um, so but there's, there's a good market for that here. And, and that's been working pretty well for, for our investors. Yeah, that's great. I can, I can, uh, I can comment to that as far as having, having uh, lease option tenants in there, they seem to, they seem to stay longer and uh, take better care of the property and you have less nickel and diamond on the, uh, on any types of repairs and maintenance. And so um, I'm a big fan of that. You mentioned um, 
you mentioned uh, that you guys manage 300 doors, uh, which kind of leads into my next question. Um, you know, how would you, um, you know, I mean, you know, just like any business, there's some advantages of being small and nimble. And then there's some other advantages of having economy of scale and having a, reaching a certain amount. But, you know, if somebody was just thinking about uh, three different property managers and one managed 10 doors and one managed a hundred doors and one managed a thousand doors, what might be some things that would run through their head as far as kind of evaluating, um, you know, that different size of property manager? Sure. Well, I I think first of all, you're going to want to look at experience, right? And how experienced is that person? Uh, If he has, you know, 50 doors, 60 doors or less than that, um, you know, how much experience does he really have? Is he kind of learning this himself and is he practicing on your properties? I think that would be a fear of mine up front. Now, having said that, you know, I have a friend of mine that he maintains about 70 to 75 doors and that's all he wants. And he works full time and he does property management part time, but he is an excellent property manager. And one that I would highly recommend if you could be one of the 75, you'd really like him to be your property manager. So uh, you're really just looking for experience there. You know, what kind of experience does he have? How long has he been doing it? What are his connections? What, what are his systems? How does he do things? As you get bigger, you know, as we grow, there are growing pains. And you might have a guy that has, you know, I, I manage 700 properties, and it might be a complete mess. <laughs> it's, it's really up to how much staff he has in place and, and how well organized he is and how efficient he is. Um, you know, I, I see people that grow quickly and, 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 and have a lot of great things to say but their operations really stink. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what, what is that person's base and, and who is doing what? And, you know, if you have that many properties, you're not doing it all yourself. Introduce me to who is doing what <laughs> yeah. and who do you have in place for this and that? And how do you handle this? That's good stuff, Daryl. So we could go on and on and on. Um, but we're kind of coming around to the, to the end of the first section here. So I want to, I want to give you an opportunity to share uh, with our listeners. Um, if you have a favorite quote or a uh, favorite book or just uh, uh, in, in, anything that you can share to, to, to add value for our listeners. On, well, on sure. That. Well, thanks. Yeah. You know, when it comes to my favorite book, I'm just going to have to start by saying that's the Bible. And, I knew you were uh, going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I think everything starts there. And uh, we can learn a lot from, from man and from man's sources. But, you know, in Genesis 1, in the beginning, God. And then everything else happened. Uh, so without that base, you know, what can we really accomplish in life? So favorite book is the Bible. My, my favorite verse in the Bible is Matthew twenty five forty, 40, uh, where it talks about, Inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. And I try to make that my philosophy in life is, is caring for the least of these. Um, my greatest joy in life is being a father to my three sons. And I, have, I, I get so much joy from that that I want to have that multiplied. I don't want to have any more kids. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to be a provider or be a father to to other kids. So in my business, uh, right now we're supporting six orphanages uh, in Mexico, Peru, Burma, 
And uh, we're getting ready to take on our seventh orphanage where we take a portion of the proceeds that we earn every, every month and give monthly support to different missionaries around the world that have orphanages. And that's just sort of our philosophy of, of caring for the least of these. And we want that philosophy to to, to transcend the, to all of our life. I, I teach it to my staff that there are no better or worse. We need to pe treat people equally. And if God has blessed us and given us opportunity to help people, we, we need to go ahead and take that. Um, a favorite quote that I have is, is, I have it here on my desk. It's by Henry Ford. And it says, any man who thinks he can be happy and prosperous by letting the government take care of him better take a closer look at the American Indian. <laughs> and uh, I was born in South Dakota. There's a lot of Indian reservations out there. And, and I kind of grew up seeing uh, people that are dependent upon the government and what a, a welfare type mentality does to a human being. It destroys them. And uh, so I'm, I'm very... Uh, contrary into that. Um, and then, you know, you, you made a quote, I think uh, you gave us a quote at, uh, at the last conference we were at, Elevate, a uh, quote by Warren Buffett, uh, someone is sitting in the shade today because someone planted a tree years ago. And uh, that's been on my heart a lot recently. I love that quote. And um, that, that's what I want for my life is, is, is being able to plant shade trees for people that are coming down the line. No, that's great, Daryl. I appreciate you sharing your heart there. Uh, and I, I remember something that you said at, at, at one of our other meetings and um, uh, you talked about um, the, the, the parable of the talents and uh, how, uh, you know, with the, with the three servants and I'll, I'll, I'll fast forward it, but the uh, uh, to whom much is given, you know, much is expected and much is required. And that the, right. the servant that, uh, that took, took the talents and multiplied them. He was, he was given more. And, uh, uh, I know you apply that principle to, you know, being a good steward of other people's possessions and other right. people's investment properties. And, um, I think people should, should, uh, should know that about you, that that's, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's part of why you do what you do and you do it so well. So I, I appreciate that. Um, how can people get in touch with you? So, uh, t t tell them again what area of uh, Indiana you're in, and if somebody has properties up there, maybe they want you to manage, or if they want, if they're looking for turnkey inventory, how, how can they get in touch with you? Sure. Well, like I said, we're in Northwest Indiana. Our office is in Highland, Indiana, and uh, my email is Daryl at CapsGroup.net. D a r r e l l at c a p s group.net. Uh, my cell phone number is 219-808-1069. Texting works really well for me. If you call me, most likely you'll have to leave a message, and then my assistant will check that message, and and I'll be able to respond to you about the next day. But uh, uh, but if you text me, I can usually respond right away. So 219-808-1069, and I look forward to hearing from you. Uh, great. Appreciate that. Thank you for listening to the High Speed Podcast. Uh, please go to our website at highspeedpodcast.com or highspeedalliance.com and find out about our upcoming meeting. We've got a really good good one coming up, always. Uh, this is evergreen content. So, you know, for, you know, I, I used to say the dates on there and then, you know, some people may be listening to this a year or two or five years down the road, hopefully, but uh, uh, check our website and find out about our, our, our next meeting. And so, Daryl, don't go anywhere. 
We're going to roll into our members only uh, private uh, podcast on the backside. So we're going to we're going to we're going to go a little bit deeper. But if you've been listening to us on the public side, thank you so much. Uh, tune in uh, for, for other great content and other great uh, uh, podcasts. And uh, we'll see you soon. Hi, this is Dr. Forrest Bryant, and I want to thank you for listening to the High Speed Podcast. Uh, We want to remind you that the information we share on this show is impersonal and only our opinion. You should not take impersonal advice and apply it to your own situation without discussing this information with us or with another licensed professional uh, that's familiar with your situation. Um, Our opinions are just that, and this show is for education only. Uh, This is in no way a solicitation or offer to sell any securities or other types of investments. So thank you and uh, have a great day. You've been listening to the High Speed Podcast. To read our blog and to learn more, visit our website at www.highspeedpodcast.com.